Are you ready? Can't win. The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jeff fans Jeff fans are fans. Bird, very passionate. Bird, Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jeff fans are very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be the sucks. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. We're coming at you on the Elite Sports Radio Network. I am joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, none other than the greatest Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris, everybody. Thank you, Keith. What's up, Jet Nation? Of course, behind the glass, the man, the myth. The legend, former Division One tight end, the majestic beast, Nicholas Kronk, everyone. Thanks again for joining us, everybody. Hope you're in store for a good show. We have a special guest, and returning to the show, AEBG football analyst, Bennett Richardson. Say hello, Bennett. Yo, what's up, Jeff? How you doing? Welcome to the show again, Bennett. Happy to have you here. AEBG draft expert and analyst, coming in strong. Thank you very much once again for joining us. And as we know, guys, the main themes going in to the combine for all of us, Kyler Murray. How big is this man? Was one of the main things. And the other one that came out of the combine was the fact that DK Metcalf is from Wakanda. Wakanda forever! And he's a metahuman, apparently. And he's, yeah. he's not He's not from this planet, basically. And he's just he's not one of the strongest, being. fastest, most amazing human beings. What an interesting combine, guys. Mike, let me, let me hear some of your takeaways from this when it comes to the Jets and overall. Well, overall, the speed in this draft blew me away. The wide receivers and the safeties just were unreal as far as sub-4-5, sub-4-4 speed that we were able to see. I believe only one wide receiver from last year was under a 4-4 speed, and this year you had about six of them, six or seven. So I thought the speed in this draft really stood out, and some of these wide receivers who we didn't see as potentials really showed up as people who we potentially may look at in the further rounds of the draft. So overall thoughts, the people who stood out in the combine was DK Metcalf, 4-3-3 speed uh, at six foot... Hey, six foot three. Six foot, six, six foot three. He had uh, the second highest speed score behind Calvin Johnson in the history of the combine. Speed score measures uh, size and agility along with your speed. So I thought he was amazing. Kyler Murray, I thought, increased his stock. Not even throwing the ball, but just showing up to the combine and showing his measurables. And I want to hear ben, I want to hear Bennett's take on this too, because I know he, Bennett mentioned to you that they might take Murray. I, Charlie Casserly today, I don't know if you guys read this. He, he said, you know, because you know how guys at the Combine, all Murray basically did was weigh in, right? Oh, yeah. Checked his height, yeah. checked his weight. He didn't eat through the ball, but he didn't, he didn't run a forward. He didn't bend into anything else. Charlie Cashley said that he had one of the worst interview sessions of any player of any quarterback that he's ever seen. And that blew my mind when it comes to the when it comes to the grease board and calling plays and things of that nature. And I don't think that's going to affect the Cardinals. I think they want him anyway. Gruden's not going to take him. When it comes to when it comes to Murray, if, if, if what you're saying is he's just a physical specimen who can run and throw the ball, is he someone if he doesn't have the intelligence like a Russell Wilson or you know, a Baker Mayfield or some of the other short quarterbacks, is he going to be able to get it done just off his physical attributes alone? Well, I, I think a guy like Keith Murray who drives with a, a mobile quarterback and a spread offense really looks at a guy like Kyler Murray that that build of luck and with regards to his whiteboard work, which uh, was the subject of his criticism. He's a two-sport collegiate athlete. We're not just talking about 
Yeah, that makes sense. Sure. And I, I think that I think that he'll clean up a lot of deficiencies that he had. It was just so surprising to me when I heard that because. I've seen, you know, I've seen Kyler Murray get interviewed, and he seems like a pretty sharp dude. I, I know behind the scenes it's completely different, but that makes a lot of sense. He's he spread himself much more thin than the average quarterback. Right. Now, when it comes to his size, do you guys? I know it's come up. He's five foot ten. He's two hundred and seven pounds. But do you think in the NFL in two thousand nineteen, uh, he's big enough to play? If he's good enough, it is what it is. But can he take those hits? He's going to be able to get through a season. Like RG three, a much taller player, different body type. Right. People have a similar questions with him, and it proved that he wasn't able to take the hits. Is Kyler Murray someone you think? And I'll ask you, Wookie. We'll throw yeah. it to you, Wook, because um, you're, you're shaking your head. You got some yeah. opinions on Wookie. You're a giant fan. You guys might take a quarterback. What do you think about Murray? You think he's going to be able to last? I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't. Two hundred and seven. And maybe, like you said, if he is, uh, there are ways to gain weight pretty quickly. And it was kind of suspect that he didn't do any running or anything afterwards. Um, but again, he weighed himself in. He's, he's 5'10 and one eighth, I believe. So <laughs> whoever wrote that down, I'd be screaming at right now. Said, how dare you not put it down as 5'11? Yeah, right? Just give me the Anything 11. Anything over 5'10, give me the extra inch. Yeah, Just round, round me up a little bit. It all depends on how the team's going to use him. Uh, Wilson, very smart quarterback, doesn't take as many hits as you know he, he could for uh, the amount of mobility that he has running around that he does. In Kingsbury's offense, you know, maybe Arizona takes him if everything works out. I think he could be all right, but I'm going Haskins. Haskins my number one. Look, 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 look. No matter what, no matter what Arizona's going to draft him or if Arizona is not going to draft him, what they're doing is smart. They're letting everybody know, yeah, I think we're going to want this kid. And what that does is drive up his value. No matter what, even if they decide not to draft him, they're make they're valuing that pick, that quarterback, for teams to start putting a lot of interest in a lot of these different quarterbacks, and maybe they'll they can then leverage that to trade down maybe a few spots and get more for for Kyler Murray or that number one slot because they sold another team on how much they like that guy. Just saying, if if depending even if they don't really want to draft him, but what they're doing right now is important. They're driving the value up on that first pick and driving the value up on Kyler Murray, and so that's why over overall I thought he was another player who really increased his value and his stock during the draft uh, during the combine. Another guy was Montez Sweat. This guy was unbelievable. Four, four, 40 yard dash. He did a 36 inch vertical jump, 125 inches on the broad jump. Montez Sweat was a fringe first round pick going into this, a first round pick, but not really sure where. And now he really sold himself to be maybe in the top 10 here in the draft. So very, very impressive performance by Montez Sweat. And the last two, what for us, as far as the Jets, uh, Andre Dillard established himself as a first-round pick. I don't think he's going to be in the top 10, but he is the best pass-blocking pass offensive tackle in the draft. And Garrett Bradbury. This is my favorite guy now, Keith. This kid was unbelievable. 4'9", 240, uh, 34. He had a 31-inch vertical, 34 uh, reps on the bench. His broad jump was 104. He was clearly the most athletic offensive tackle out there. He's a center. And if we could get him somehow, Keith, um, if we're not able to get the center position hooked up in the free agency, I would really love Garrett Bradbury. He, to me, was the the guy who impressed me the most as far as the offensive line is concerned. Now, Bennett, let me ask you a question. Obviously, DK Metcalf came out of here with rave reviews. Is there anyone that you thought kind of maybe that was outside the uh, the spectrum of players that everybody knows that raised their stock up in the combine? I, I agree with Mike when it comes to, to Montez Sweat. 
little bit more on him because he was at the senior bowl and the momentum started with him at the senior bowl as far as like from a French first round pick to a mid round pick. And I think he solidified his athletic ability in the combine when he was outstanding. Um, so I think he helped himself out the most. He might have worked his way, he worked his way into the top ten. And we already know Montez Sweat because he has the greatest name in the history of the combine, or maybe in football history. <laughs> Unbelievable. And, and he's up. Marlon Mack to me has still is the number one name because yeah. I don't know. I my, all my friends know it's my favorite football name of all time. Um, all right, guys. So let's now we talked about some positives, and we're gonna go through. Jet-related guys through the combine here. Touch on some people so that all Jet fans know some of the guys that might have popped onto our radar or how the guys that we're looking at did. But let's get into some of the guys that maybe hurt themselves here in the combine. Now, we know Haskins ran a 5-1, but no one thought Dwayne, Dwayne Haskins isn't fast. No. Besides Stephen A. Smith, everyone in the world knew <laughs> the guy can't run the ball. All right, I'm not going to hate on Stephen A. I got love for Stephen A. I don't know where he got his Ohio State information from. Uh, no, okay, I'm now not our talking. interns, our interns here, top of the line. Whoever handed them that piece of paper, fired immediately. Mike, Elijah Holyfield. Oh, my goodness. Uh, he looked like Charles Barkley now. Yeah, Key, Big Ben ran a faster 40 than Elijah Holyfield. No, get out of here. Big Benjamin did? Fact. Big Ben ran a faster 40 than Elijah Holyfield. I mean, talk about crush your stock. That... That just, I mean, he stood out to me as someone who just really hurt themselves. And another guy, another running back was Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary already saw his recep- his reception share get worse every season from his freshman all the way through. And he's 5'7", 203 pounds. So you're expecting to see good measurables here. He ran a 4.66". Okay, with a speed score of 86.1, which was way below the normal. And he had a lack of production. So he's short, he's slow, and he lacks production. And this guy was considered as one of the better running backs in the draft. This this guy screams scrub and bust to me. Now, can I say one thing? I might not know X's and O's like Benner as much as some people, but I know if you're short, slow, and don't have production, that's not a recipe for success. Not a good combination. <laughs> Maybe he went the Kyler Murray Call route. Call me crazy! Maybe he went the Kyler Murray route and actually gained a little weight, but yeah. then didn't do the smart thing and yeah. actually ran the 40. That's bad news. Now, the one the one thing with Holyfield, he did have the most, his bench press, he's not the highest bench press of any running back. He did pretty good with that, but yeah, he, he definitely hurt his stack. Mike, who's this guy? Ryan Ridley. I was going to ask uh, Bennett about because Ryan Ridley is one of the top you know, five, if you look at projections, he's one of the top five receivers. And if you look at his production, he had a 17% reception share at Georgia. He didn't show anything at the combine. And the, the right now, if you look at the best receivers in the league, you know, the guys who are, are constantly in the first, second, third round of fantasy football drafts, you know, as far as production goes, your reception share is usually at 21, 22% in college. His was re- at 17 and he didn't do anything in the combine to show that he had great metrics or great skills. So Riley uh, Riley Ridley to me is overrated and also screams bust. What do you think about that, Bennett? Yeah, with a four five eight, he's only six one one ninety nine. So if he's under two hundred pounds, he should, especially at six one, he should at least be running in the low at the at the most a low four five. Yeah. Um, and the better athletes run four four five. You know, so right. Well, Which a broad jump uh, tells a lot about your explosion, and it usually 
Yeah. You got Hunter Renfro coming out of Clemson. It seems like he played there for nine years. Like, he's a career college player. Yeah, bouncer. <laughs> bouncer is a freshman. Yeah, right? Doesn't he seem like it? He came out. He ran a 4-5-9. You know for a fact he's going to be on the Patriots. Yeah. Um, if you're a 5-10 kind of slow white guy, you're going to end up on the Patriots. It's going to yeah. happen. And when, when you, what about Andy and Isabella? Like, oh, wow. Yes, he did. Joey. And when you look at his He did. Everybody already knew he was going to run pretty fast because he beat Denzel Ward in the 100. They were in the hospital. Yeah, they had an unofficial time. He ran a 4-2-6 at college. This dude is lightning fast. Yeah, and he, he really helped. His vertical jump, 36.5. Broad jump, 121 inches. Um, he did he did really, really well, this kid. So he's probably going to go in the first round, maybe late to first round. Mm, I wouldn't say first round, yeah, I don't know. He, he might be a little too small to go for. You got He probably go like maybe second, third round, just based off the speed alone. He had and he had decent college production too. The situation uh, kind of got heavy on. So me. when it comes to the New York Jets and who we might take now, obviously we have a whole wide receiver. We signed a Newton. We're back. Robbie Anderson is a restricted free agent. He might be back. He might not. Curse is going to be history. Deontay Burnett. Who knows. The Jets need a playmaker. Yeah. They need somebody on their team at the wide receiver position that can take the ball, go downfield, Tyree Kill, ODB, yep. or go downfield like Julio Jones, catch the goddamn ball 50 yards, 60 yards. One of these type of guys. Obviously, like we mentioned, there was a metahuman at the combine, DK Metcalf, Mike. What I wanted to bring up to all Jet fans and mention to Bennett and the Wookiee as well is Jet fans might remember Stephen Hill. Yep. 2012. He went to the, he went to the NFL combine. Now, I'm going to throw some stats at you. Stephen Hill played at Georgia Tech, very similar team, kind of offensive-wise. They don't right. throw the ball as much, right? They run a lot of option. You know, maybe yep. maybe the, the top receiver gets six, 700 yards a year. He finished his career three years, about 1,200 yards. Not, not that amazing. All right, nine touchdowns, not that great. DK finishes his career 1,200 yards, 14 touchdowns. Very similar production in college. Two guys that everyone said they could be great in the pros. Right. They don't have the production, so you kind of go, these are guys that didn't dominate college, yeah. but went to the combine, and everyone's like, oh my god. And now, I'm going to just throw a few stats at you real quick here, Mike. Stephen Hill, 40 times, 4.36. DK, 4.33. Vertical jump, DK was uh, 40 and a half. Stephen Hill, 39 and a half. When it comes to the bench press, no, not even close. Right. 27 to 14. But everything else here, hand size, exactly the same. Arm length, Stephen Hill is a little bit longer. Broad jump, exactly the same. Literally exactly the same. So, my only point I'm saying, DK Metcalf might be in the Hall of Fame in 15 years, 20 years, I have no idea. I'm just saying, when people use the combine yeah. as their main indicator for success or future success, or to say, oh my god, this guy should be the number one wide receiver taken, or the Jets, which me and Mike have heard, some people say, well, the Jets should take him. Trade down, if, uh, you know, yeah. get another pick, take, take Metcalf. Put the brakes on that oh, for yeah. a second, because you. My, my my main thing, Mike, when it comes to wide receivers, it's nice to see the combine be ridiculous. Of course, oh, there's, yeah. there's there's indicators there, but the production in college oh. is also, to me, what I want from a wide receiver coming yeah. into the NFL. Yeah, I I totally totally agree with you, Keith, and I think this is really important. I'm very interested to hear Bennett 
uh, his response about this because when DK first did his 40, Bennett texted me in all caps. Did you see? He was he was going nuts over this. And, and, and to be fair, everybody everybody really was. But he's 1.6% body fat, which is just insane. Now, real quick, speed score. I talked about that before. It measures speed in the context of strength and power. DK Metcalf speed score was the second highest in the history of the combine, only second to um, Calvin Johnson Megatron. Okay, oh. so so the, so the, his speed, Mega. but it does not. But here's the here's the part that we wanted to talk about. It does not measure agility. Okay, and when you look at his agility score from the combine, he ran his three cone drill seven. Three eight, which was as fast, actually slower than Tom Brady's agility score uh, for the three cone drill. So Bennett, we have this metahuman, this this specimen, this beast who has the size, the speed. Um, he has no, pro- he has little production, right? Now, when you're going as high as three, four, five in the draft, you, like Keith said, not only do you want to be metahuman, but you also want to have the production to match it, right? He doesn't have the production. I understand he has the physical skills, but we've had guys like Stephen Hill who have had the metrics, but they don't have the production, and then you see what happens in the NFL. What do you think of DK Metcalf? Is he a top 10 pick? Or would you wait into into the later first round, maybe second round, to grab a guy like this? I think he's a top 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 ten. It's kind of tough. And like at first, I was blown away by his, his measurables and everything, and his combine numbers. And I was thinking, okay, yeah, this guy's a top ten. But you do have to take some consideration reduction on the field during college. Now, Stephen Hill, like people bring him up, he played at Georgia Tech. But do you know the three receive the two receivers that preceded him with the same body type? The same statistics almost before him were right. No, it was, it was Demarius Thomas and Calvin Johnson. Calvin Make Johnson was uh, Michael Thomas. Calvin Johnson played from 2004 to 2006 at Georgia Tech. He only had 2,900 receiving. Okay, you would think he had more, but that was it. His uh, first year he had 800. Second year 800. Third year 1,200. Demarius Thomas, his first year at Georgia Tech 500. Second year 600. Third year 1,100. And then you look at Stephen Hill, his numbers at Georgia Tech. First year, 137. Second year, 291. Third year, 820. So there's your red flag right there. Now, him coming from Georgia Tech and having, you know, Calvin Johnson drafted number one overall. Then you got Demarius Thomas who puts up Pro Bowl numbers and he's considered a, cons- a consistently, you know, solid receiver. You got Stephen Hill. You, you, you shouldn't be able to miss on him, right? Right. So, I don't. I agree with that, but I just want to say one thing, Ben, is that Calvin Johnson and Demarius Thomas, with the, even before the combine, people were like Calvin Johnson might be the first pick in the draft, and then he was the first pick, and then Demarius Thomas, people were like, well, he might be top fifteen, maybe. I think he got taken twenty second. So they didn't. They didn't necessarily hurt or raise their stock at the combine. I'm just talking about the combine. When it comes to that, if that's the if that's the, if that's what everyone's putting their their uh, their focus on, and also combined with that. You don't have the college production. That to me, where I get a little worried as a Jet fan. That's all. yeah, yeah. So, so, and, and in DK Metcalf's case, he has he has the same thing. Like he was before the before the combine, he was uh, first round pick, first round, maybe early second round. I've seen mocks before the combine where he was going in the top ten. 
Oh, no, and I believe it. Keith, I told you this Twitter was going crazy. They were like, let's take him with the third pick. I was like, what (laughs) is this? Oh, my. No, but he's still got to look at what he did at school. All the mocks. When you look at DK Metcalf's numbers, he only played seven games his his final year. He had a neck injury last year. Yep. Yeah, and Ole Miss's offense was limited. I think, like, they ran, like, 25 plays. Just about every play DK Metcalf ran was a dub. He didn't run many ins and outs. They pretty much just had him running deep. He had 500 receiving yards and five touchdowns in seven games. So... If you project that out to 12 or 13, um, that's close to a thousand yards, if not a thousand and ten touchdowns. He would have, I think, he would have had the production had not got hurt with him already being a first round pick and he putting up those numbers. I think he'd be a solid. Well, uh, now for now for me, Keith. For me, you know, you look at DK Metcalf, 6'3", 228 pounds, arms 34, 7 eighths inches, right? Hands 9, 7 eighths, right? And he runs the 4-3-3, but, you know, not a lot of production. How about the other guy who I thought was really impressive, Hakeem Butler, 6'5", 227 pounds, bigger hands, taller, just as heavy, and he ran a 4.48.40. Sub 4.540, okay? Broad jump, 128 inches. Had better production in college. This is a guy, to me, I would look at for the Jets. Uh, maybe if we were able to trade back and get a pick in this early second round, I would look at a guy like this. This was a receiver that really impressed me in the combine. DK saw him run a 4.48, and he looked at his boy. He was He's like, you ran a 4.48? You practice, Please! You <laughs> get out of my face with a 4.48! <laughs> Sorry, but I, yo, you know, I think the best receiver, and I told, I said this to you the whole year, Mike. I think the best receiver in college football is Harry from uh, Arizona State. I think that he's, you know, he didn't run, a, he didn't go crazy like DK and run a four three. But if you look at this college production, been consistently the best receiver produces. He had, he had as many bench press reps as DK too. Yep. He put up twenty seven also, yep. um, which is not too shabby. He almost he had thirty and a half inch vertical. He's two hundred twenty eight pounds. You're not gonna look like DK Metcalf. He looks like he's from, he looks like a, an actual Marvel cartoon in a comic book. But Harry is. He's a pretty big dude himself. Yeah. And I think if... if, I don't know where he's going to go because I've seen him kind of like before... Like Bennett was mentioning, before the combine, DK was floating maybe from anywhere from top 10-ish to maybe the top of the second round. And now, that's all changed for him. Like he, he's going to yeah. be the top of the draft, I think. Yeah. And I think Harry, to me, I don't think he improved his stock. I think he's kind of just about where right. he was prior to that. But I, I do hope, if he is someone that slips, just don't have a second round pick, but they can get one. I don't think he's going to go too far, Harry, because a lot of teams need a wide oh, receiver. No, he's a he big body. That's someone the Jets should definitely look at, though. Mike. He's the third guy that really impressed me. And to be honest with you, the biggest concern with Harry was his lack of separation. That was the big knock on him. And when he ran a 4 5 3, uh, 40, a lot of the scouts said, hey, that's good enough for me. Anytime you're in that that size and you're running at a 4 5 type, that, yes. And I think, depending on the team, Harry could go first pick of any wide receiver. Now let's get to running backs. Running backs and wide receivers and the corners, too. They're kind of the most fun guys to watch yep. at the combine. No one's tuning in. To watch Jonah Williams run a 40. No. All right? No one's doing that, all right? Not me. I want to see Eisen run. I want to see Eisen run a 40. And his loafers, right? Uh, But the running backs in the draft, now, it's not like last year or maybe the year before that where there's 100% can't miss guys. Yeah. There's a lot of guys that are pretty good. A lot of guys that, you know, you don't know what they're going to do. Like a guy like Bryce Love who's kind of dropped a little bit. Are some guys over there I think did improve their stock. Like I know you got a few guys you want to bring up who you think actually kind of raised their level. Daryl Henderson, running back from Memphis. 
height, 5'8", 208 pounds. He ran a 4'4", 40, 22 on the bench press. Top college running backs last year on Memphis. His production numbers actually mirror running backs who are going to do well in the NFL. So when you look at his production and his efficiency, and then you see the results of his metrics of what he did in the combine, he is someone who, to me, shot up the draft board in value and absolutely solidified himself as one of the better running backs. Not a guy that was initially looked at as a great prospect, but now I believe is in the top five. Now, what about Justice Hill? 5'10", he's 198. We know there's little guys in the NFL. The guy's much smaller than him that are running around out yeah. there. Like Sproles, and who's our guy from the Bears? Oh, Cohen, Tariq Cohen. Cohen. He's yeah. another little Mighty Mouse guy. Ran a 4'4", fastest 40, the fastest 40 time for a running back vertical jump was actually the highest vertical jump too so he's obviously an athlete at running yeah. back yep. and he's someone who would probably be a game breaker come out of the backfield catching passes which he didn't do too bad of a job of that in college but in the pros he's the type of guy that you maybe slide in yep. as that third down running back yeah he had the high, he had the third highest speed score of the running backs and he is a blazer 4-4-40 flat 21 bench reps uh, this kid is definitely somebody to look at and his speed just matched what he was able to do while he was playing for school. So he's another one that I was looking at. He's somebody who did well from for the combine. Oh yeah, I like uh, I like Dill too. I also like Art that he helped himself out a lot. He has the, the build. I think Merritt's a top a top running back. Now I don't know where he's gonna get drafted. I've seen him go anywhere between in my draft mid second to early third. That could be safe. Yeah. Now, now I'm I'm hesitant to say this because uh, Bennett, you and Keith and Nick were all in fantasy dynasty leagues, okay? And I don't want to talk about guys that I see as potential gems. We'll do it because we're talking about the combine. This is a, this is a name that none of you guys know about, okay? But this is somebody who perked my interest. Maybe in the late rounds, the Jets can get this guy in the sixth, fifth, sixth round. His name is Alex Barnes. Six feet, 226 pounds. He's a big guy, 31 inch arms. He ran a 4.5940, and he had 34 reps, uh, bench reps. His vertical was 38.5, almost 40. That was close to Nick Chubb. This kid, they looked at as, you know, potentially not being drafted. And then after the measurables with his size, he's going to get drafted. Mike, it's so funny that you say that because <laughs> you can ask the Wookiee right here on my notes. It was on the machine list already? There's a reason that someone... That's sitting here in this podcast has won the championship four times, like a legend. We won't get into it right now. Alex Barnes, um, 12 TDs last year, 5.7 yards per carry. Are you kidding me? Now, Mike, his 30 and a half inch vertical was the second highest of all the running backs. 34 reps on the bench press crushed every other running back. You see, Bennett, I try. I I thought I was going to come out. Uh, This is one of my deep sleeper cats, you know, and this dude already knows, man. What does it say on this piece of paper right here, Wookie? Is that, what's that name? It I says Alex Barnes. No doubt. No, thank you very much. <laughs> are you playing checkers or are you playing chess? Um, get nothing by me, Mike. It would never happen. You can try your best. Now, Mike, back to um, Armstead with, with Bennett though for a sec. Because he ran a 4-5, but he ran a ton, you know, not, not far behind Hill. Right. But he's 220 yeah. with some size instead of 198. So like Bennett said, when someone someone that size is running that 4-5, oh, that's seriously hitting. You're hitting the hole with some power. That's a business decision for defensive backs. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right. So, and, and there's somebody else that, that I like, too. Miles Sanders from his state. Um, oh, yeah. 511, 215. He ran a 449. I mean, it's not Blake, but you're talking about somebody backed up. Take one more, but he, 
Yeah. He had 24 receptions for 139 yards, scored nine touchdowns. He had solid production for the one year, you know, he was able to be yeah, and, that, and he's if you're if you're playing at Penn State and you're playing in the Big Ten, then you're playing some good defense. Too. Oh yeah. So if he's coming out with a oh, five point yeah. eight yards per carry, that's ridiculous. No, I got no problem with Sanders Bennett. I never had a problem with Sanders. No, uh, the guy I wasn't high on was Devin Singletary. That's the guy I don't oh, okay. like. That's Mrs. Singleton's son. That's Mrs. Singleton's son. <laughs> Really? You give his name, you treat his name with the proper respect, Mike. <laughs> is that, that's uh, not yo, Singletary's yo. boy? Is that Singletary's boy? <laughs> no, 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 no. no, 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 no. Joking, joking. Okay, I was going to say, I didn't hear that at all. I was like. Mike, no, I, I wanted to get your feelings on this, uh, real quick, I know we're talking about offense, but I wanted to get your feelings on this uh, very, he's an undersized defensive lineman, kind of a scrappy player out of Notre Dame. Um, his name is Rudy Rudiger. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> you ran a 5'7". I think 5'7 all hard the biggest uh, hole on the Jets right now and Ben mentioned earlier uh, before we started doing the podcast when we were talking about uh, Le'Veon Bell coming to the Jets is that if you did you got Le'Veon Bell as of right now they have one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL so they have uh, maybe one player Mike Shell is passable on the offensive line and Harrison played decent enough when he came in for long last year at center and he was okay but everyone else is just like below average players and if you can there's a few guys, you know, that we that we already know, Juwan Taylor and Jonah Williams that are up there. But the few guys that I think, even during the combine here, and you mentioned one of them before, Mike, with Bradbury, that did raise their stock. So let's get into some of these offensive line because that's what I know a lot of Jet fans, even though it's not sexy, even though it's not DK Metcalf, you know, metahuman, it's still maybe the most prudent move for us right now is to draft an offensive line. Uh, you heard what, uh, you know, we potentially could get Le'Veon Bell. But what is Le'Veon Bell if we don't have an offensive line? What is Sam Darnold if we don't have an offensive line? The most important part of the New York Jet team is to solidify the line. Unfortunately, this draft doesn't have a Joe Thomas. I wish it did, but it doesn't. Now, Jonah Williams, I think, did what he had to do in the combine to solidify himself as the best offensive line talent as far as least tackle in this draft. Okay? Now, this is a point of contention that both Bennett and I have. Bennett is one of those people that does not feel that Jonah Williams is the best to draft at that high, at number three. And there's a lot of other people that feel that way. Um, I understand that, and I'm not saying we should, but honestly, if we're not going to take Jonah Williams, I don't know if I want to mess with Jawan Taylor. Jawan Taylor is a little raw for me, and he did well in the con. He did what he had to do in the combine, but he didn't blow us away at all. The really only one player that really blew us away, and that was Garrett Bradbury, which would be a potential center, uh, if you will. But um, that's why I'm kind of looking at maybe hoping we trade back and maybe grab a Andre Dillard, who is really good at pass blocking, and maybe potentially grab a, a grab a Garrett Bradbury. But if we took Jonah Williams at number three, or if we traded to number six and grabbed Jonah Williams there... I would be okay with it. Bennett, if you want to give your points on what what you think about Jonah Williams, please. What the number three pick think is Jonah Williams is kind of high. I, I, I see him as a, a right tackle. He's a polished player. He's probably the most polished offensive line in the draft. But he, I think he said his max potential. Uh, his athletic profile was that amazing. So all he did was show that he was an NFL athlete. And his tape speaks for the rest. Now when you watch his tape, and he goes against... Um, really good defensive and on really good defensive model, he gets pushed into the pocket. So when you're the, when you're the left tackle and 
And if they did take an offensive lineman, I think that it'd be smart for them if they were to do that. Because before the the combine, some people were talking about taking an offensive lineman for the Jets' third overall. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. I think if they do do that, you can maybe trade down. Because a lot of teams, obviously, with these quarterbacks, which we're going to get into in a second... Teams are going to want to trade up to get these guys. And, you know, I, won't, I have not scouted these offensive line like some other people have. I know Cody Ford from Oklahoma. He's a big guy. He's probably a little bit more athletic, too, than Jonah Williams. Um, when it comes to the offensive line, I, I like Juwan Taylor. I know he's he maybe a little raw, Mike. When it comes to offensive linemen, it, it always seems like there's a few guys, a guy every, like, two three years, that's the 100%. Like, the Brickishaw. Like, the Brickishaw. Like first, second, third round guys, and they play on teams for a decade. So that's why you don't know if you want to risk drafting one that high. So it's like almost like you want to wait that waste that capital when you could draft an edge rusher, which we'll get into now because it's kind of it, that probably is offensive lines the most glaring hole offensively. But we haven't had an edge rusher on the Jets, and I can't even tell you how long. Probably John Abraham, Mike, is the last guy off the edge that's really been able to get after the quarterback. Uh, and if we're gonna play 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 a three four like we're going to again, apparently, um, even though it seemed like we weren't gonna do that, we are. We're gonna stay in a three four. So. In this draft, there's a couple good edge rushers, Mike. And I know Bose is not going to slip to us, but realistically, when it comes to the Jets, I know Montez Sweat, he looked great in the combine. I know Josh Allen, he, he did pretty good in the combine. Who do you think is, is a realistic guy for us to look at? Who do you think raised their stock the most this week? Montez Sweat definitely raised his stock the most, but I'm going to tell you something, and this is a hot take that actually Bennett first said. Bennett, actually, if you want to, why don't you give your take on on Josh Allen and, and, and Nick Bosa? Why don't you let everybody know your feelings about Nick Bosa and potentially what hap- may happen with Josh Allen. And- oh, let me get the hot take music on. Hold on. All right, go ahead. <laughs> so Nick Bosa checked in six three, uh, or two sixty five. He ran a, a four seven nine. But the most important part of a defensive end's forty time is their ten yard split, and it was a one five five, which was pretty good. So that shows that he's got some explosion. The, the one knock I have against Bosa is the same that most analysts have for DK Metcalf. He doesn't have the body work. He missed this last year after like the third or fourth game due to a core injury. And last, so he only has really one year of full production. And it was a solid, it was a good year. Good enough for him to become the number one prospect coming into this year. But he doesn't have that full body of work. Similar to uh, Genevieve on so when I look at Nick Bosa, I like his hand movement. I like his get off on the line. He has short arms, and I don't think he's that much of a difference maker. Go back and watch the film against better competition, like Wisconsin, who always have a good offensive problem. And so is Michigan. You can see where he's going to have issues in the NFL. Uh, Josh Allen, on the other hand, he has a more reputable body of work. His stats that he put up for Kentucky this year were solid against SEC opponents. A lot of good offensive I also like I like Quentin Wayne. I can't even lie like this. I think that he's the closest thing to Aaron Donald in this draft. And when you have somebody like that, I think the Jets should get him. I, I'm, a, I'm a Carolina Panther fan, and we picked number 15. There's no way we're going to get him. But if he's available at number three for you guys, that's who you should target. And I can kind of see, see how you guys would target him because of the free agent you had invited already to your facility. You're looking into Ezekiel Anza and also Dante Fowler, who are edge rushers. So, um, Greg Williams coached Aaron Donald, you know, for the Rams. He coached him for like two years. I think that if he could get a player like that and then put just, you know, I mean, you don't have to have the best edge rusher, but if you can get a guy with solid penetration up the middle, which in your division, you have Brady, that's where he is. That's his weakness, is when pressure up the middle uh, takes him off of his, his post behind the, uh, the offensive line. To get a guy like Quentin Williams in that division, to me, is 
lot of people have been more impressed with him at the Combine Williams. One other guy I wanted to ask you guys about is Sweater. You mentioned earlier, separate from having the tremendous name, six foot six, two hundred and sixty pounds, ran a four four. Do you think he, he vaulted himself into the discussion in the first? Mo- Montez Sweat, he's maybe top ten now. Oh boy, okay. I'm being real because that performance. He already was gaining steam after the Senior Bowl, and then when he posted that performance, I've already seen mocks with him in the top ten. So I'm not sure exactly if he'll go there. But a, a guy that we could potentially get on the edge, maybe in the second round, or if we were to get there, or maybe even top of the third, is a guy named Brian Burns. Now this guy, forty time he ran a four five three forty. Okay. Third among all the edge rushers and was tied with Sweat for uh, highest vertical and his broad jump. You look at his tape, uh, Keith, I just sent tape on him blowing past Juwan Taylor for the sack. This kid right here is a sleeper and I think could be a value pick in case we don't go edge rusher in the first round, maybe get him in the second or if we get a second round pick or the I third. Hate I, I hate to bust your bubble mic, but Burns is going in the first round. You think I so, right? Obviously, we're not drafting quarterbacks. Some other teams are. We're not going to go too deep into it. Drew Locke, we got Murray, we got Jones, we got Haskins, obviously. Yep. We got the normal names that we know. Haskins ran tremendously slow 40 times. Not going to affect his draft stock at all. No that's not what his game is based off. He's a pocket passer. He's a great pocket passer. I think Daniel Jones actually did a great job at the combine. He's 6'5", 221. Ran a decent 40 for a big, like, flacco-looking goon like he is. <laughs> but I want to talk about Tari Jackson real quick from Buffalo. Uh, threw 28 touchdowns last year. 55% completion percentage playing out there in the MAC. I know it's not the greatest conference in the world. Ball State, Toledo, Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan. But he's six foot seven. Oh God, two hundred fifty pound quarterback, yep. and he ran a four foot five. He ran a four five nine. Is this? I mean, is this, I don't. E- I didn't even know this guy existed until the combine, and then I saw him running around. Like I was like, okay, this this is a formidable man. Is he someone you think, just based off the athletic ability and the size, Mike, he's going to have to get drafted by somebody, right? Even if you convert, I'm not even saying he has to be a quarterback. If you're 6'7", 250, run a four, if you run a 4 five, nine, yeah. I mean, how many guys, Edelman, plenty of other guys got drafted as quarterbacks and got switched to be good receivers? He could be a tight end easily in the NFL. Oh, yeah, I agree, I agree with you. Yes, any hands. You, you look at, at a, you get a guy like uh, Josh Allen last year, right? Josh Allen was extremely athletic. He was the fastest. He jumped the highest. You know, he wasn't the most accurate like uh, Jackson is. He's not the most accurate. But he's a big specimen. And if uh, I just don't know how valuable of a quarterback you're going to be if you're not somebody who is uh, an accurate quarterback. As we saw with Josh Allen last year, he most of his value came on the run. And I don't know if he's going to be able to do that next year. So, yes, it's intriguing, his size, his speed, his athletic ability, and maybe he could transition like Terrell Pryor to become a wide receiver. But as a quarterback, as you know, I, you know, it, it, I don't know. It's hard. You got to be accurate and you got to be able to read defenses and you got to be able to think next level. You got to have that spatial awareness that Tony Romo likes to talk about. And nobody in this draft, unfortunately, showed out as a passer. Like when Josh Allen came to the combine, he put on a show with that arm. Throwing the ball in present. Nobody did. Drew Locke and his tremendous arm, he looked like one of the guys out there. Haskins. 
he did well, but he didn't blow anybody away. But you saw last year, uh, uh, you had um, Josh Allen and you had Mayfield out there. And you could hear the buzz from the combine over these guys, and really nobody this year. And who do you think? So who do you think the best could be? Is better? Who do you think the best could be in the draft is this year? Um, I, I like uh, I like Dwayne Haskins. He, I think he's getting overlooked. Like Dwayne Haskins. Uh, oh, definitely. I think he's getting overlooked, and it, it is, uh, it's mostly because of Kyler Murray. And I think Kyler Murray's riding a little bit of uh, momentum from Baker Mayfield, and the fact that. He has the same uh, skill set background that Patrick Mahomes has. So you got a guy throwing 50 touchdowns in the NFL, and then there's somebody in college right behind him putting up similar numbers in a similar system. <laughs> you know, the NFL is a copycat league. So right now, everybody's really looking at Kyler Murray because they want that Patrick Mahomes. They want that maker maker. Just like as far as coaches go, they want to make Sean McVay. You're right. You got you got Cliff Kingsbury getting a job um, in the NFL. After having a losing career <laughs> in college, it's crazy. It makes no sense at all. <laughs> because his, his offensive numbers are through the roof. You're, you're right, right. You're right. People are going to give him a chance. So, Kyler Murray is he's he's that guy. You know, he's that guy that's following the trend. Yeah. If someone if someone throws fifty touchdowns in the Big Ten, and this people over, and you get overlooked, it's like it's like almost impossible. Um, yeah. I think the record, and I, I could be wrong, but I think the record before that was 39. I think Drew Brees had the record for a long time. And he just shattered it. And he almost threw for 5,000 yards. I, I hope mean, somebody reaches out to Josh Rosen, make sure he's alright right now, give him a 1-800 number to call, because this kid, you want to talk about emotional psyche not working out well. I mean, what is he thinking about right now? Every time he sees Kyler Murray's name pop up. I got picked 10th last year. Damn it, they got Kingsbury. Damn it, we're gonna take we're gonna take Murray. He's two hundred and seven pounds. It's fun to see just complete mayhem happen with oh the team. Oh my god! And I, I went, has it, there's no precedent really for this situation with Arizona. I don't think so. Just to go in a whole other direction it. for a second, because I can never remember ever in my life a quarterback being drafted that high in the next year, or they draft another quarterback they and they ship it I think it was Mike would know. I think it was ninth or tenth. It was number ten. But but there. But the thing is, and and you know, I understand that Keith. There's the narrative out there that Rosen's a bust. Rosen was in the worst situation of any of these rookie quarterbacks. He had the worst offensive line in the NFL. Terrible. Now his attitude is whatever. Oh, I don't think he's a. Mike, I don't think he's a bust at all. You can't say that yet. No, it's too, way too yeah. early. Because I mean, remember, Jared Goff's first year was. You watch, if anyone who watched likes football watched those games, you would think like this is not going to be a good play. That's what I thought. I'm like, this guy is a yep. bust and a half, and he ended up being a really good quarterback. So I don't think you could judge him yet. But they did have the, the worst offense in the NFL. So I mean, that's not good. <laughs> you know, doesn't help. So, doesn't help, doesn't help your case that much. But you, but <laughs> Keith, you knew yeah. right away. But Keith, you knew. Like Nick knew right away, Paxton Lynch was a bust. You knew it. Oh, immediately. Wait a minute. Immediately. Wait a minute. I, I didn't know that. I carried Paxton Lynch on my roster for a while. But <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna have a shot, Mike. It's a fantasy. You know, it's a different reason. Dynasty league. You you were forced into that situation. And you know? it looked like the the old buck uh, the old logo on the Buccaneers. It looked like that guy. Hitting. The situation. Uh, Alright, guys, we'll be killing it today. This might be a two party, you never know. We're an hour deep, just jet and football knowledge pumping at you. Today at 4 o'clock, 
team, it was the deadline for teams to tag or not franchise tag players they wanted to play. Now, Robbie Gold got tagged by the 49ers, which is nuts, a kicker. You don't see that happen ever. Um, that was kind of, that was kind of weird, right? They don't want him, they don't want him accidentally going back to Chicago. And no, he is, and he is a really good kicker. Yeah. But that's just, I just, you just don't see that. I don't remember that happening. I mean, I think the rain, the, the Pats might have done that once with the Gostowski, if I'm right, but right. I mean, so we know the guys that got tagged, the guys that didn't get tagged out there floating around for the Jets to begin speaking with. Who's your top targets, Mike? Now we finally know who it is we can go after. Clowney's not out there. A few other guys we wanted won't be out there. But I know there's a few guys on your short list, Mike. We need edge help. Trey Flowers has been a force on the edge for New England, but there's no certainty that we'll be able to get that man, but he is somebody that I want to go after immediately, and the other guy, he's only 25 years old, so I was very surprised that they didn't tag him, Trey Flowers. And the other guy I want is C.J. Mosley. I cannot believe that C.J. Mosley was not franchise tagged by the Baltimore Ravens. Now, uh, Bennett educated me just recently that um, they, the Baltimore Ravens have released um, the safety, what's his name, Weddle, Eric Weddle, and by doing that, that may free up some space for them to go ahead and sign C.J. Mosley back to a better uh, a, a contract, but we'll have to see. It's kind of a risky move. But C.J. Mosley and Trey Flowers, to me, are two of the biggest free agents' names, uh, along with, of course, a, uh, Le'Veon Bell, Matt Paradise, and Scaffold, the guard from the Rams. Oh, really I cannot great. wait until NFL free agency kicks this off. Be so much fun. They have all this money, the Jets. Now, we were speaking before the podcast, Ben, it was, was dropping the wisdom on us that you can have all of this money, but you need to spend the money. Yep. Correctly, obviously. Maybe you don't put all your eggs in one basket when it comes to Le'Veon Bell or some other players monetarily. CJ Mosley might not be one of those guys, but he might be. You do never know with the Jets. He's made the Pro Bowl a bunch of the last three years in a row. Man, I know his pass coverage skills maybe not the best when it comes to going after the quarterback, stopping the run. He is pretty good. And the Jets have holes plenty of places. So, I mean, as long as they don't, you know, get a signing next this year that's similar to Tremaine Johnson last year. Tremaine Johnson ended up by Pro Football Focus. He got rated out in the top 20 still. But for the amount of money they paid him, the beginning of the year, especially, he he just wasn't he wasn't a productive player for the Jets. He was, he was getting penalties and he was horrible, and it seemed like they wasted a lot of money there. So they have to be wise. They have to be prudent. Mike, the McCagnan has to come through for us here because historically, obviously, signing Frazier has not been his strong suit. The draft has not been his strong suit, and that's the two things he needs to do well here. It's like, oh my god, that's not that's not encouraging at all. Big parts, but. With trades, he has done well. So if we do trade down and we're, we're and we're smart with that, who knows what happens with the draft? Maybe we can maybe we can get ourselves some more pick and get some more talent. With um, Dwayne Johnson, I think his career can get back on track. He's addition to Greg Williams. He does have experience with Greg Williams. As a matter of fact, his breakout seat with the Rams was under Greg Williams. So Greg Williams coming into the fold, definitely uh, Tremaine Johnson get back on track. Become that cornerback. I, I I think that he can do that, and he's, he's going to get paid the money he's guaranteed the dough. The second half of the year last year, he ended up having four interceptions the last eight games. Played much better, but it was just he got off to a bad start. You know how it is in New York? It's not just New York, anywhere. If you get off to a bad start, and all of a sudden you get this negative stigma behind you yeah. with the fans, then all of a sudden every little thing you do bad, the spotlight's on you, they remember it. Maybe you're not even as bad Amplified, as you think. Yep. It takes a while to reverse the thought process of fans sometimes. And Greg Williams can only help with that because, you know, the way he runs his defenses, I think he's going to be, you know, I know some of his defenses haven't really got hot, but most of the time, his defenses have been pretty decent. You know, and at least you know they're going to be aggressive oh, next yeah. year. So we turn a jet game on, and you have Crazy Eyes Adam Gase calling plays. Yeah. And you have Greg Williams out there calling the defensive plays, 
at least it's one of these things with the Jets. They might get like crushed in a game. Well, they might get crushed in a game, or they might just have just put up mad points in a game. Yeah. You know, next year. So to me, that's that's intriguing. That's interesting. And it's all gonna the success though. A lot of it's fall on what happens in the next two weeks, and then leading into the NFL draft. All right, that's another one in the books. I thank everybody for listening and supporting us, as always, getting at us on social media. We really, really do appreciate it. And Mike, if anyone does want to get at us on social media, tweet at you, tweet at me, get at the Big Majestic Beast. Where can they do that, Mike? Well, everyone knows we're on the Elite Sports Radio Network. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spreaker.com. Follow us on Facebook at AEBG.JetsRadio, on Twitter at AEBG underscore NYJ Podcast, and on Instagram at Jet.AEBG. On behalf of the Majestic Beast, Nicholas Kronk, my colleague Michael Agaris, our colleague, analyst, Bennett Richardson, my name is Keith Farrell. Thank you everybody for joining us. Peace out. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Bird, very passionate. Bird, Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be the sucks. Don't believe it.